0: You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Join us. Welcome everybody. Podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and usually improv new stories, but sometimes rant and rave about our favorite movies, TV, games, and the people who like them. I'm Josh. And I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, welcome to the 10th Rental Rant episode. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and. I felt like we haven't done one of these in a while. I had to go back and look. And sure enough, last year we did nine rental rants uh, as like off-week specials. And this is mm-hmm. our 10th one. But we haven't done one since October. Uh, oh, we wow. Did- yeah, yeah, we had a super gushers uh, prior to this, you know, where we we talked about Ghostbusters for a little while. But yeah, we haven't just got on here to bitch and moan about something <laughs> uh, in quite a while. So we're recording this in March of 2023, and it's been since October. And I think this is actually going to be a good follow up to that last episode. If mm-hmm. anyone out there hasn't listened to it, please go back, check it out. We did an episode in October called Have Fun Storming the Castle, where we talked about the the problematic like fanhood and fandom that goes along with gatekeeping, right? Yes. Um, where it's like there's this – these bullshit fans who – they it's like they want to keep people out of the things that they like, whether it's the movies or probably especially music. Um, it's like yeah. they feel, they feel like, it, like it belongs to them and no one else is allowed to like it, especially if you're like a girl. You know? I, I liked it before it was popular. <laughs> oh, god. Exactly. Oh, where everyone's a sellout and everybody's you know a fake fan and no one's allowed to wear a band t-shirt because there's some gatekeeper – jerk, you know, who mm-hmm. who is taking it upon himself to become the arbiter of who gets to be a fan or not a fan. And I say all those people should get kicked out. Fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Uh, so I think that that segues pretty well into another topic that you and I were talking about offline or the past couple of weeks kind of off and on. Something that's been popping up a lot on social media lately, which is not the gatekeeping of keeping people out of a fandom or trying to stop them from coming in the doors. Mm-hmm. But once people are fans of a media property or a particular you know, uh, medium or genre, it's like once they're in the door and they feel like they have peers suddenly people want to make the environment toxic for those fans yeah there's so many
1: so many examples of this
0: <laughs> i know it's like where do we even start right and even like what do i mean by making it toxic and i i think mainly what comes up a lot and what you and i probably should focus on so that we don't just end up with like a 5 hour episode where we just do like a bullet list of all the fans who suck <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, but really, I think that there seems to be, and and agree with me or not, but it seems to me that so much of social media these days, especially on TikTok, is fandom, toxic, toxic fandom that is disguised or trying to perpetrate itself as valid criticism.
1: Yes. Oh, God, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> But 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 again, there there is a very fine line because it, 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 there is a point and a need for real criticism, actual criticism, on art and entertainment on its merits, uh, so we don't get the same bullshit over and over and over and over again. Um, but a lot so a lot of times people will take actual criticism and start calling it toxic because there's so many of these toxic motherfuckers out there with their bullshit criticism. <laughs> so it's like, it drives me nuts. Cause it's like, no, part of a part of being an artist, like I, I've taken, I took every single art class that my school had to offer. And a big part of being an artist was taking criticism from your peers. It was learning mm-hmm. how, you know, like having your work criticized and and t- and it was always that idea of like okay take into account what they have to say see if you can apply it in a meaningful way to your work or think about do you feel that they have a point based on what their criticism was that is real criticism when you're criticizing something like the 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 actual property itself for story aspects or technique or things like that and it isn't just, no, it sucks because I don't like it. Like, that's <laughs> that's not criticism. That's toxic bullshit. You sounded
0: just like a guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I could piggyback on that, too. I think it, it probably is worth our time to just spend, like, a couple minutes talking about, like, definitions. Like, what do we mean? And I hate getting down these rabbit trail arguments of semantics. I can't stand... Yeah. Semantic arguments for reasons that are probably a whole other rental rant, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but and for me, the main reason why I can't stand semantic arguments is because, you know, words mean what people understand them to mean, which I know sounds kind of silly, but like this, this whole concept that there is. A specific definition for what a word means, or how a word is said, or how a word is used in context, and those are the only ways that you're allowed to use a word. It's mm-hmm. just not nonsense, right? And I, I think any any study of the history of language or anybody using slang can be shown their own like hypocritical attitude toward language because you know language again it's it's communicating to another person, and yeah. criti- criticism is an important, I think. Aspect of just communicating in general. And I think the problem is that people hear the word critic or criticism, and they just immediately have this negative connotation, right? That if you're, and and to be criticized, and I think that you would agree with me. I think if someone said like, "Hey, man, don't criticize me," you are specifically saying, "Don't give me negative feedback," or "Don't you know right. treat treat me badly," "Don't be rude to me," is what don't criticize me means, right? Which is weird, which is weird when you, when it's literally in the same, like, you know, uh, conjugate word family as critic and criticism, which have perfectly valid meanings to what you said of being able to tell someone what your opinion is of their, their art, their craft, their technique. And I think it's, it's an important part of how everybody enjoys let's just use pop culture as a way to sort of narrow down like where we're going right since this is a pop culture podcast but mm-hmm like i don't know about you but like you know i back in the day i used to read you know siskel and ebert movie reviews and i didn't always agree with everything that they said but like once you get a you can kind of get an idea of what something might be like based on a critic's review or like the review of a song in the, in a magazine back in the day right mm-hmm. or the review of a tv show in the tv guide like to show our age but like i think we could be, <laughs> And and these days, so much of social media is people when I and I'm not just saying like social media for fun, but I'm saying people who make a living at social media or who yeah. try try to do it in a professional way. So much of that is, you know, top ten movies, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, it's like it's people who are giving these grading and ranking lists. They're they're criticizing new releases, they're talking about new movies that are coming out, and new TV shows that are coming out, and what's worth your time and what's not, and like that's huge business. And I think for a valid reason, because not everybody can consume everything. So finding someone whose opinion that you feel is valid and then listening to them to guide how you consume media, I think is a hundred percent not only valid,
1: but you know, it's useful. It's necessary. Let's <laughs> be honest. like for, for me, okay, as an avid as an avid gamer, like I wish I had, a hundred more hours every fricking week to devote to gaming. Cause as it stands, like now I'm lucky if I get maybe an hour or two every week to devote to a new game, you know, yes. it's like, I might have a little bit of time to game with my friends. So I'll play an old, you know, tried and true game. Um, but like, for example, I bought dead space on our birthday, you know, on February 3rd. And here we are, uh, you know, the fifth uh, of March as of this recording, and I have only been able to put 12 hours of gameplay into the game so far. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, realistically, in, in a month, <laughs> I've played for 12 hours. So I wish I had more time to game. I, I truly do. So one of the things that I find extremely useful is following specific YouTubers. There's a handful of YouTubers that, that I like to, to look at who have mm-hmm. similar gaming tastes to me. So, like, for example, there was, um, oh, my God, it, uh, the Callisto Protocol was coming out and I was I was, you know, chomping at the bit. I'm like, holy shit, this looks like a new Dead Space. Like, it, it's its its own game, but it has the same kind of story. I can't wait to to dig into it. And then some of the reviewers I like, I watched and I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. So I would have been really disappointed had I dropped 60 bucks with my limited time to play. And started playing this game that did not live up to the expectations of how Mm -hmm. it was advertised. So I feel like that that idea of having a critic or someone who who you can align your tastes with, um, it it is a very valuable uh, tool to have out there. So criticism definitely has its place. The problem falls into when you have people, as you said, in the guise of a critic. Who are, like, I again, I want, there's so many names I want to name, but I'm like, don't, don't <laughs> name them. Um, don't, don't go there. Yeah, I'm not trying to, th- but, like, for example, there, there was one particular YouTube reviewer who made it his damn mission in life to rip apart the Disney Star Wars trilogy. Mm. Now, the first video I watched of his was stuff I agreed, because I'm like, well, yeah, I had a problem with the story in The Last Jedi 2. That was my beef. I didn't like this either. Then the next video got into more of the, hey, I didn't like this character and this and that. And it started to become very clear, like, oh, 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 you're a gross person. Uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and there are people that will hide behind the, the veil or the shield of valid criticism and turn out to just be a fucking bigot. So that is enough, mm-hmm. That that's, part of that toxicity we're talking about where you have the you're not allowed to like this thing because of x y and z or i speak for this thing because i'm a true fan and it's like no fuck you fuck that
0: yeah it's funny i i don't want to go down that path too much because yeah oh i could just go on and on and on and bitch and rant and rave but yeah i had a very similar experience happen i found a recent i found a youtube channel recently that came up in one of my like algorithms suggested you know you might like this kind of things and it was a, a a criticism of a movie from the 90s that like hey that fits right in with like you know the kind of thing that we do and it was like here's an interesting theory about this movie you know that like people people are getting the wrong message from this movie and you know it's all to say it, right so the movie is Fight Club and mm-hmm. it was like basically you know a lot of people take away from Fight Club like a certain political and social message right that it's right supporting this idea of that that there's a place for masculinity and manhood in society and like you know there's also this very sort of like anti-establishment anti-government political leaning to it the sort of like back to nature you know off the grid you know you know sort of uh what's the word sort of uh you know anarchy is best sort of a message that you could that you could take away from the movie and i think a lot of guys in our generation did that they watched fight club and they're like yeah fuck the man you know
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep <laughs> and they sort of wrap up this message of like hey let's get back to our primal manhood our primal manliness and you know we don't need all this you know corporate starbucks coffee bullshit in our lives that's not what real men you know do like you know and then start grunting like tim allen right <laughs> <laughs> exactly which i almost did i'm like no i'm not going to attempt that um <laughs> And I think a lot of people took that message away from the movie and so I found this YouTube video and this guy, he was like, no, that's completely the wrong message to take away from the movie that like, there's a real message here. And all the people who left the movie theater with that in mind of like, yeah, man, more power back to nature, you know, down with the government. He's like all those people missed the fucking point because mm-hmm. the movie is a criticism of exactly that mindset and trying to show how it doesn't work. Like, you know, yep. Tyler, Tyler Durden is the villain in the movie. But then this YouTuber went down this whole other path of like, if you look at the movie from this perspective, it's literally telling you the exact opposite message of what you're getting out of it. Like it's way more liberal and left-leaning and oh yeah woke and all this stuff and i was like hey i like this this is a really really interesting approach to this movie and it wasn't an overly political criticism it was just you know especially if you know who chuck palanick is the author of the book right. the movie's based on like you would agree with this critic that hey you know that, that this guy you know probably this gay man who had dealt with like cancer and illness in his family is probably not writing a movie about toxic masculinity you know <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and um and I was like, Oh this is a really cool message and so yeah, I went and I looked at some more videos on this guy's channel, and he had some cool, like, really hot takes on, like, well, what if the movie's really about this? What if the TV show is really about this? And I was like, wow, this is really insightful until I listened to a few more of these, and I'm like, oh, man, I came at this through the bright, shining neon front door that he planted on purpose, and once I got through that front door, I saw how fucked up and bigoted and misogynistic and (laughs) anti-Semitic and, you know, homophobic this guy really is, where he's trying to say... Oh, yeah, all these, you know, dude bros did, misunderstood this movie. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But his real message was that the movie sucked and all the dude bros had, they got the right idea, even though some, you know, gay loser wrote the book and i'm like oh shit like that's a yep. t- totally different take on it that was really super toxic and i got like sucked in because it was
1: like you know hot take on fight club you know <laughs> but see I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because well first of all a real, real quick comment on fight club anyone who walked away without realizing the true message didn't pay attention to the end of the movie he literally has to kill the toxic part of himself with a bullet like, <laughs> I mean, realistically, come on. That's, it can't be spelled out any further. <laughs> it's, it's like the people who look at Holden McNeil and chasing Amy and they're like, he's the hero of the story. No, like <laughs> yeah. Bob literally tells you that you're ruining your life in case you weren't paying attention up to that point. He's like, hey, fuckhead, you're screwing up. and the people are still like he's the hero like oh jesus christ you missed the whole point of the story but anyway um no i'm glad you brought that up because that i think is how toxicity is bred in fandom because they they lure you in with this concept of like hey we're like-minded we enjoy the same thing check this out look at this and next thing you know you're you're at a fucking meeting with (laughs) these people like oh god how did i get here (laughs) like You know, and I've seen this again and again and again in comic culture, in video game culture, and even horror movie culture. Like, this is one thing that drives me up a fucking wall. I know so many hardcore horror fans, like the people who, like, eat, breathe, and sleep horror. Like, they don't even, like, they don't go outside of horror for nothing. At least I delve, like, I delve into other stuff. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm talking about, like, the people who, like, they refuse to watch Disney movies because fuck Disney, it's not horror. You know, that kind of a stuff. These mm-hmm. same people will talk about how ho- the horror community is so pure and non judgmental and this, that, and the other. Yet, they're the same people that would be like, you're not a real horror fan unless, you know, you know everything there is to know about Tom Savini. Like, no. I. Don't, I Honestly, Tom Savini's a jerk. <laughs> I've met the guy. He was rude. Yeah, I
0: have, yeah, I've also met him, yeah.
1: Yeah, he was a dick. <laughs> but, but my point is, like, I have, I have encountered this again and again and again in these fandoms where I feel like, hey, I'm a part of this. And then you watch it fall apart from the inside because there are, are these people who hijack it. Um, like, again, I think that the most public one that most people would know about is Star Wars. Look at what happened with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like, realistically, you had this community that loved these old ass movies, loved these video games and books and toys and all of this media. And as a teenager, I remember every time there was a new Star Wars anything, it was a big deal. When the Dark Forces video game came out, people were losing their minds. It's like, holy shit, new Star Wars video game. You know, when Shadows of the Empire came out, it was this giant multimedia blitz, video game, new novel, toy line. People loved it. They were excited. You know, the prequel trilogy came out. Yeah, it left. There were a lot of fans that were split on it, but there was no there wasn't that same toxicity that we know of from the Disney stuff, which I'll get to in a second. That was like, you know, fans were genuinely criticizing it like wow, Lucas can't really write dialogue, can he? Um, You know, there was a lot of that happening. And some of the more outdated character tropes uh, that were in the prequels. But again, these are movies made for kids. We were now adults watching these movies. So we were criticizing it, but most of us were criticizing it on the merit of the property and not being like, you know, oh my God, they had a woman in a lead role. You know, it wasn't like that. We were criticizing it for the property. Then along comes the Disney stuff, and suddenly there was a very vocal group that was like, "Ah, raise a Mary Sue!" That's like, what? I never even knew the term Mary Sue until these people came around. <laughs> I I had no need to know what that term <laughs> meant.
0: Well, if I could interject, I, I'm sorry. If I I know you're going somewhere, but for me, I think the Mary Sue argument like could be posed as as valid criticism because it basically is just saying that like you have a character who's way too good at mm. everything and doesn't have enough weaknesses to be like relatable that's all a that Mary Sue is but right. i think i think a better example if if you don't mind me you know jumping in on your argument is in like the last jedi with like the character of rose and how so many people just Jumped all over that. Like, how oh, dare yeah. you put this, not only a woman, but a woman of like color, like a non white woman in this role? And like, you know, you, it was like people were, you could criticize The Last Jedi for valid reasons. And one of these days we'll do our debate about it. We've been teasing <laughs> for a long time. But the fact that people just like in real life were threatening this woman with like actual death threats and, oh like, yeah, ab- and abuse online in person, like I couldn't believe it. Like, the, 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 the and there's been female characters in the franchise before, but for some reason the backlash against this particular character was just unreasonable, but it was also so loud,
1: so vocal that you couldn't avoid it. Right. Well, and I think well, I, you know, there, there this was this was a multi-layered conversation with with that part in particular, but let, let me circle back around cuz the, the the thing I was getting at with the whole Mary Sue thing Is the people who were complaining about about Ray being a Mary Sue, I would like to turn your attention to Luke Skywalker. Yeah. (laughs) Because anyone that criticized that did not see the fact that they were literally mirroring Luke Skywalker. He was a farm boy who lived out in the middle of nowhere, yet he was an ace pilot. You know, Mm -hmm. he picked up a lightsaber, practiced against a little droid that shot him in the butt a couple of times, and suddenly (laughs) he knew how to fight.
0: You yeah, know, he trained. He trained with Yoda for like a day and a half, and he right. was a Jedi Master. <laughs> but, but
1: but keep in mind, even before he became a Jedi Master, he took down the fucking Death Star in his first time in an X wing.
0: I know, like, and he had been using the Force for all of like two days, and he like puts his targeting
1: computer away and just nails it on the first try. <laughs> right. So th- this concept that oh that this is ridiculous that Ray can do all that. I'm like, is it though? I mean because we all loved Luke when he did it, yeah. you know, and it's like, and I get it. We got a little training montage in part two, not the first movie, but -hmm. in the second movie, we got a little training montage. He was still able to do all the shit he did in part one without that. Yeah. So, and so I think,
0: I think right here, like you and I are demonstrating an example of how we can have a valid and even kind of heated conversation where we criticize a pro, uh, uh, we were criticized a property saying Mm -hmm. like, look, this was a mistake. This is why I got upset about it. Like this was a dumb decision, but none of us have said, you fucking ruined George Lucas's legacy. Like you (laughs) ruined my childhood. You should die. You know,
1: (laughs) every every time someone says that ruined my childhood, I'm just like, cry about it. Like, like seriously, just stop. (laughs) Like I hate that.
0: But no, no like, and, and, I th- and I think but I think that's the difference, right, between the toxicity and the criticism is that the toxicity, toxicity is personal, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a personal attack on the, you know, the person who is doing the, the valid criticism or it's a personal attack on a specific other fan, if it's a personal attack that's based on an ism, right, racism, sexism, you know, whatever, you know, misogyny and homophobia, like mm-hmm. when you make it personal about about the creator or the fan or the people involved, then that's when it becomes toxic because we're not here to tell people how horrible they are. We're here to right. talk about the property. Like, you a, a, a nice person can make a terrible movie.
1: <laughs> <you> oh, <know? laughs> God, yeah. And hell, some of your favorite directors can still make a stinker. And that's okay. Like, I, one of one of my notes that I have right at the top of my, my page here is it's okay to criticize a story, and it's okay if people disagree with your opinion. Believe it or not, this is all okay. <laughs> like, yes. Like, you can you not be, like, I have said, anyone who has listened to any podcast I've been a part of for the last two or three years, any friend, anyone who has talked to me about Star Wars at all for any length of time, will hear that I am not a fan of The Last Jedi. But I will Mm -hmm. always say this, and I have said this since the beginning, I am glad that it succeeded because that means more Star Wars, and I am a Star Wars fan. Mm -hmm. I don't have to enjoy every single Star Wars property that exists. Mm -hmm. I'm not a fan of Attack of the Clones. I thought it was a crappy movie. I, I do actually kind of enjoy Phantom Menace. Do I like Jar Jar? No, not really. But again, it wasn't for me. It was aimed at kids. You yeah. know, I. I all, it... Oh, good.
0: No, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm like, ah, I but Good finish. I'm just getting I, all
1: excited. I, I, I loved The Force Awakens. I did not like The Last Jedi. And quite honestly, The Rise of Skywalker, I thought was a fucking mess. Um, There are scenes that I like about it. There are character. There are characters that I like in it. But overall, it's a fucking mess. And it's and I just, I solely lay the blame for that at the fact that they did not do an outline. They were Mm -hmm. so rushed to get these out there and they were just like, it's star Wars. You'll buy it. (laughs) instead of doing what they promised that they would do, which is talk to George Lucas, get an outline for his original sequel trilogy and build upon that. They took his sequel trilogy, threw it in the garbage and gave two different directors, the ability to go write a screenplay and they didn't communicate like Ryan Johnson already flat out said, Mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah, he was writing it while they were filming force awakens, you know? So it's (laughs) like, he had no idea how it was going to fucking end, you know? And he's, he's also on record as saying, I didn't like star Wars. So I wanted to do something completely different. It's like, that's fine. If you're doing like an outer rim story, like, Oh yeah, Yeah. I'm going to talk about like these moisture evaporator farmers, you know? Yeah, no, 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 no. You're you're literally doing the second part in a trilogy. You can't be like, well, I didn't like the story, so fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. Like that's, that's where my criticism lies. But again, I'm happy that it succeeded. And it's okay for that. How dare you question Star Wars? You're not a real Star Wars
0: fan unless you like every movie in the saga. Exactly!
1: <laughs> it's like, it blows my mind that people get like that. But again, taking it and going oh, the actor that played this character that I don't like, I now hate that actor whose job is to pretend. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you don't know that person. You know the character that they played in the one movie that you watched him in. It's like, I always forget her name, but the uh, there was a, a voice actor who did um, the character of Abby in The Last of Us 2, which most fans, myself included, when they started playing that video game, we're furious because it's like, wait, wait, wait. Who is this character that I'm playing that isn't Joel or Ellie? Wait, I I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And then when we find <laughs> find out, oh shit, they're the bad guys. It's like, ah, I really don't like this. What? F- fuck Abby. I don't like her. You know. <laughs> so there was this this knee jerk reaction of, holy crap, this is not the character I want. Granted, for for me and most you know fans of the story, once the story unfolded and you realized, oh shit, they're showing you equal sides of the same fucking coin and it it really Mm -hmm. messes with you emotionally um but (laughs) a lot of people took that initial knee-jerk reaction and took to twitter and started threatening the actor who did the voice i'm like why (laughs) what is the point of that what how does that help anything yeah it doesn't because
0: to your point like they didn't write it, you know, they didn't direct it. Like they were just hired to do a job, right? They, yeah. read, they read the script that they probably didn't write, you know? And yeah. yeah, that, exactly. That, that, that type of like toxicity is so ridiculous. Again, because they make it so personal. Like it's, right. and that's what really, you know, bothers me. Like, yeah, you know, you don't, like I'm not a big fan of like Stephen King anymore. I used to be a huge fan of Stephen King. I just picked a random like author name out of my head, right? I used to be mm-hmm. a big fan and I could go on and on and on about why over the years I have become less and less of a fan because I find you know, that I criticize the books more and more. I find things that I don't like about them. I find faults in them. My own tastes change. But I'm I've never, never once said like Stephen King's a fucking hack who can't write and he should die. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Or and again, it's okay to like also like just not like something. You know, I, I've, everyone knows from previous episodes that I'm a huge comic book fan. I'm a I'm a huge fan of the Wheel of Time series specifically. And you know what? I don't like book ten in that series. I have read that series like multiple times. And mm-hmm. a lot a lot of fans of the Wheel of Time will tell you that there is a capital S slog in the middle of the series. Right there, everyone refers to it as the slog. Now, what the slog is exactly and like where it starts is hard to to But it's a period in the book series when the original author, Robert Jordan, got a little overindulgent and knew that he could do whatever he wanted. And and he really, he wasn't taking advantage of the fans, but he just really wanted to expand the story in the world and spend all this time with his characters and explore the world building and introduce all these new ideas. And he even later admitted that he got really out of control with just being self-indulgent and mm-hmm and so there is depending again depending on how you look at it but there is a period of anywhere from 2 to even 5 books that when people who are big fans go back and do a reread it's like they don't look forward to that sequence <laughs> you know like you know right. for me me personally you know I liked book eight. I liked book nine. I don't like book 10. I don't really like book 11 for me. 10 and 11 are the slog. Some people would say all four of those are the slog. I know people who think 11 is the best book in the series. And I'm like, I don't understand where you're coming from with that. I don't get it at all. because <laughs> book, right. book 11 is a chore, you know, but whatever, like that's not the point, you know, but again, We can disagree. We can, you know what I mean? Like, but I, I, yeah, I'm not going to make it personal against the guy who wrote it. Like, you know, he was, he was some mustache twirling villain trying to get every dime he could out of his fans or whatever to like screw people over.
1: It's like, it's okay to just not like something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And, And I totally get the idea of looking forward to something and then being very disappointed that it didn't meet your expectations. But again, it doesn't have to. And I I, I know I keep using Star Wars as the example, but it's like, man, I was super looking forward to The Last Jedi. And when it didn't meet my expectations, I left the theater feeling let down and disappointed. And I didn't know how to process that. Like I had to sit Mm -hmm. with it for a little while and be like, wow, I I don't like. A Star Wars movie. again, and, and, and it's like that hasn't happened for a long time. So I convinced myself that I got to watch it again. It, it, it must have been like I wasn't in the right mindset. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I watched it again and I came away with more dislike. And I was like, uh like and I hated it. I hated that I felt that way. But it's OK to dislike something that you, that you are overall a fan of. That happens to me with video games all the time. There are so many times, and uh, on the flip side of it, I'll I'll get to this in a second, but there there are so many times, like, okay, World of Warcraft, you know, I was a huge fan for many, 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 many years. Oh, yeah, big time. When the third expansion came out, I didn't like it. Like, I didn't like what they did in my character. I didn't like what they changed, like, in the game. I didn't like the story direction they were going. And I just kind of sat there with it, playing the game mindlessly, because I'm like, I want to enjoy it. I want to still like it but I'm not a fan of this. I don't mm-hmm. like what they did. And eventually I stopped playing. I came back later, you know, with with subsequent expansions and I had to come to terms with the fact that like, yeah, sometimes it's not going to be it, it not every entry is going to be a hit. You know, but I think a lot of people get that expectation so so raised that when something doesn't meet it, they they lash out and it's like that's not healthy at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I think you're exactly right. And I want to pivot this into uh, like another another really frustrating example of like toxic uh, fandom. But you mentioned just like not liking something. And I recently mentioned this this to you offline where, again, going back to comics and I read a lot of comics from the 90s because like, hey, that's when I got into comics. And so Mm -hmm. I have a lot of nostalgic love for that era. And I read a lot of new comics like I just you know got back from the comic book shop last night and bought a whole big stack of brand new comics but I like to go back and dip my toe in the old stuff that I liked as a kid and now that I have a little bit more money than I did when I was 11 I'm going back and I'm buying stuff I couldn't afford you know mm-hmm. and so like I, I, I'm i a huge fan of the New Warriors the Marvel superhero uh, teen team of the 90s and I, <laughs> it, was, it was my favorite superhero book when I was a kid it was the one comic that every week I looked forward to it all my or every month I couldn't wait for the new issue of the New Warriors I knew everything about that book inside and out. I read all the articles and all the magazines. And it was like and it was my first exposure to artists like Mark Bagley, Derek Robertson, who later went on to co-create The Boys like that the TV show is based on. Like, yep, the new, the new he had worked in comics prior to the New Warriors. But that was his first like main big profile gig. And he in it really launched his career. And, and so recently for Christmas, I got the second of the Marvel Omnibus collections of the classic New Warrior series from the 90s. I read the first Omnibus, which is the first 25 issues and, and some change. And that's the period of the series that I love. And oh, my gosh, I was just eating up all like 1,200 pages of that Omnibus. I couldn't get enough. <laughs> it was so good. It's, this is exactly the kind of like superhero stuff that I like. It's like soap opera. And it's like, yeah, it's cheesy and it's over the top. But it was like it was like, a you know, 90210 or something like that. Like, that cheesy 90s drama, everyone has yep. a soft spot for, like, Dawson's Creek, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and, then, and then I get volume two, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And it starts off really good. And then it's like, okay, like, yeah, that's, maybe that storyline wasn't so good. And I'm like, yeah, that, that fill-in artist wasn't so good. And I don't know, man, I'm kind of getting bored of this, like, this subplot. Like, can we move on? And, like, by the end of that that volume, I was, oh, it was a slog to use that word again. Like I was mm-hmm. trudging my way through the last maybe 10 or even 15 issues. Just, you know, it was, it was bad. And I'm like, Oh, I still like Fabian DiSieza as a comic writer. And I've read so many great books that he's done. And I don't, I won't go down that, that tangent now, but he's written a lot of like popular Marvel books that are like a big fucking deal that, TV show is based off of, or the Thunderbolts, the fucking movies coming out. That mm-hmm. was like, you know, him and Kurt Busiek came up with that. And anyway, whatever. Like he was a big deal, and he's a good writer, and I still I still like him, and I'm not gonna get on here and bag on Fabian Nicieza, but man, he phoned that shit in. Like, fuck. Oh man. yeah, that series went so downhill, and then the and then Derek Robertson left, and the inker left, and like by the time issue you know like 50 came out, issue 50 was supposed to be this big like you know anniversary issue, and it was fucking boring, and I was so disappointed. Like, oh, I just want to finish this book and be done with it, put it on the shelf, and move on to something else, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And I was so mad, but I still love Derek Robertson, and I still like Femi Cieza and, and David, and uh, Richard Pace. And actually, I rediscovered this artist named David Baller that I'd forgotten about, and man, his stuff was actually really good. And I went on and I found some more. But anyway, but the point is, like, I didn't take, make it personal, right? And that's what I want right. to pivot to, because it's these guys who make it personal. We've already mentioned some examples of it, but I think that there's another side of that, which is – It's okay to not like something, right? But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's also okay and probably beneficial to not like something. What I mean is that, like, there's another element of toxic fandom uh, these guys out here who just aggressively, aggressively, and insultingly defend properties that should not be defended, properties that are problematic, right? And we've mentioned, you know, words like, You know, racist, sexist, violent, homophobic, anti-Semitic, and I don't want to name examples, I'm sure everyone listening to this immediately thought of one as soon as I said one of those adjectives. Mm -hmm. And then you have these fans out here who were like, yeah, but it's okay to like this. Or even better yet, they're like, no, no, this is the best ever, and here's why. And like, oh, it's not anti-Semitic. What are you talking about? Let's look at this. Like, it, there's no way. There's no way. And it's right. like, it's it's these nonsense, like paper arguments that don't hold up. And they know that their arguments don't hold up because you, you can't defend anti-Semitism with any logical reason. You just can't. So right. that, exactly. that means that your argument is going to devolve into rhetoric and Hate speech or just flat out insulting people like, oh, you're too stupid to understand or like, oh, you don't under – you don't get why the creator really isn't like a piece of shit turf, you know? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And it's like – and I don't even really mind if people want to continue to like a media that is problematic. I think there's lots of ways that you can – you can do the mental gymnastics to still, you know, understand, OK, this is why it's problematic and I'm still going to choose to enjoy these parts of it. And I'll support you because there's a lot of shit from the 90s that we've even reviewed on this show that oh, turned absolutely. out to be real cringy. But it's but it's when these people, they get so aggressive about it, like they want to prove their case that, oh, it's perfectly OK, you know, to be you know, homophobic and abusive. And it's like, shut up, dude. Right.
1: And see, and I, but I think that there's also a fine line here that we're talking about between content and creator, because again, we both can think of a thousand examples, I'm sure of, of creators who are mm-hmm. fucking awful people, but the the content that they've helped to create, or in sometimes solely created, doesn't reflect their personal viewpoint. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of times where there's like, you know, a comic book or like a video game or a you know, song or movie or whatever, that it's like it has nothing to do with their personal or political views. But then that person is very vocal and loud and it's like, oh, you suck as a person. You know, yeah, it's like Scott
0: Adams who recently just crashed and burned his own fucking career by coming out as a a mega racist. And it's like Dilbert was never racist, but now we know the truth, motherfucker.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And that's and that's what I'm getting at, like where, you know, somebody who doesn't pay attention to like the news, for example, I'll use my mom as an example, someone who's just like, you know what? Just give me the broad strokes. I don't want to get into the minutia because it's gonna bum me out, and I just want to live my life. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are like that, especially people who have hit a certain age where they're like, I just don't got the time to deal with all the stress of all that crap. So they like what they like, and they they you know try to live their lives you know to be a good person. So someone like that would have been like, oh yeah, I remember reading Dilbert in the paper. It was fine. And not understanding, Mm -hmm. oh, this guy is a horrible person (laughs) with (laughs) horrible views and is very vocal online about his horribleness. So that's what I'm getting at is sometimes that does happen. Because, and perfect example, I can't watch the Jeepers Creepers movies anymore. I loved, loved the first Jeepers Creepers movie. I absolutely loved Clown House. I thought that that was such a great movie when I was a kid. Once I found out what Victor Selva did, it tainted the media for me. And you know what? That's okay. If there are people who, like, once you find out that the creator is an absolutely awful person or did something horrible, like, for example, you know, this guy was a pedophile. It's something that, you, I'm sorry, you just can't defend that. I, anyone who tries to mm-hmm. defend that, oh, no, 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 I'm not going <laughs> to, there's no way that I'm even no. going <laughs> to hear you out. But, like he, you know, he was a pedophile. So it's like, once I found that out and then looked at what the creeper was and Mm -hmm. connected the dots, I'm like, I can't, I just can't watch it. Does that mean that people who haven't delved that deep, because I have a coworker who they love the Jeepers Creepers movies, all three of the main entries and really wanted to watch the reboot. And they were like, oh, are you going to watch the reboot? And I was like, "I I can't bring myself to watch it. And they're like, well, why not? And I explained, I was like, look, I know it has nothing to do with Victor Selva. I know he doesn't own it. I know it's completely different people making it, but to me, it's been ruined. Like I can't, I can't come back from it. I said, it's totally fine. If somebody else wants to like it, I I have no problem with that. Like I am not judging you as a person for enjoying Jeepers Scrapers, but I can't. And both of those arguments I think are perfectly fine. Like if you want to enjoy something because you can separate the art from the artist and the art itself isn't problematic without the artist. Like if you mm-hmm. can do that, hey, more power to you. Some of us can't. But here's where things start to get tricky. And this is this is an I know I'm going on a multi-layered thing. I have then seen people who are anti whatever the property is now boiling it down to, oh, well, if you ever enjoyed this thing, you're a bigot, or you're agreeing with them, or you're this. That doesn't help anyone either. All that does is create more controversy and strife surrounding the property rather than being like some people may not be fully informed on certain things. And they might be and go, you know what? This property is important to me for X, Y, and Z personal reasons. I got nothing against the people who are who are against it. And I got nothing against the people who are for it. I'm in my own little bubble. And if you can do that, hey, great. But not everyone can.
0: I think it can be a slippery slope to get down this side road here that we veered down where we're talking about, like, cancel culture and the cancellation, right. you know, for lack of a better term, right, of, of finding out when creators have a personal life situation that then colors the properties that they you know, been involved in, there's been tons of actors, especially the last couple of years, you Mm -hmm. know, who have been kind of blacklisted, you know, guys like Kevin Spacey and, uh, you know, authors and comic book creators like David Eddings and Warren Ellis. And like, there's a bunch of them. We all know cancel culture was a big thing the past couple of years. I think we should hold off right there because that's a whole nother show. And maybe we can do another show where we talk about, like, let's talk about this, the different sides of that argument. Like, is it okay to like a property, With a problematic creator, you know, or, or Mm -hmm. vice versa. Is it okay to like a problematic property with a creator that you otherwise think of as like a good person? You know what I mean? Who maybe, maybe they made something that just doesn't stand up, you know? Um, it doesn't, you know, last the the test of time or or it hasn't aged well, you know? Um, You know, I think Kevin Smith is a perfect example from our generation of somebody who has made things that probably don't age well. So that doesn't mean we necessarily need to cancel Kevin Smith, but like I said, I don't want to go down that road. I just want to kind of throw it out here because I think there's a good hook here for a follow-up episode where we can kind of explore that. But I think yeah. that you said something that kind of puts us back on the path of our current topic of this toxic fandom, which is the people who then take your decision on whether to continue with a property or not. And then yeah. they make it personal about you, right? The kind of yes. people who are like, oh, well, if you like this property, then you must also be a bigot. Or if you like this property, then you must also be a bad person. Or if you were ever a fan of Harry Potter, you're tainted. Or if you were ever a fan yeah. you know, of Jeepers Creepers, you're tainted. Or if you were ever a fan of this or that, you know, I feel that it's the same way. And and I'm not going to specifically call out the politician's name because I don't want to get political here. But it's mm-hmm. like um, – A couple of years ago, I was watching some political coverage on social media of people that I otherwise felt were, you know, decent uh, lay critics or, you know, common folk um, political pundit types. Right. And this one person was like, oh, well, I can't believe they they elected Mr. X because. No what you guys don't know about him is way back in the seventies, like, you know, he voted against, you know, gun control and he voted against like civil rights in the sixties or whatever the hell it was. And it was this whole thing of like going back decades saying, like, oh, this person has always been a racist and you just didn't know it. And I'm like, Yeah, but that doesn't hold up If you look at their track record for the last 20, 30 something years, like, yes, people, people, again, this is a different topic, but it's like people can grow, people can change. And I think it's important. And, And we've mentioned this before. Like, I don't understand the point of having a, you know, having a debate or having a, an enlightened conversation to gain and share awareness of a problem. If you're never going to let people realize that it's a problem and change. Right. Yeah. And I think that we should be able to do that. And even when it comes to the toxic fans we're talking about, because, again, I think that's a whole nother topic we could have a whole episode about, which is Mm -hmm. like that, you know, we need people to be able to have a character arc in their real life. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And and I actually do think we should we should add this to the docket. And I mean, listeners, if, if you are interested in hearing more about this, definitely let us know, because I think that that would be a very good conversation to have and one that, quite honestly, isn't had enough. Um, it be, because I, I know personally in my own world, just kind of like to put a pin in this, something that happened to me a couple of years ago is I was still playing World of Warcraft. Like I, I still am playing World of Warcraft, but I was still playing World of Warcraft when all of the information came out about the people who were sexually harassing people at Blizzard. There was this huge case of sexual uh, harassment and in some cases sexual assault that was happening behind closed doors. And the powers that be knew about it and let it happen. And it was like, how do you come back from that? How do you rationalize liking this property for so long and knowing that these horrible things were happening behind closed doors? And it Mm -hmm. it was hard. It was hard for me because, again, Blizzard Entertainment has been a huge part of my life since I was 11 like I have been playing blizzard games mm-hmm. religiously since I was 11. I know the names of the people who work there. Like they're in the, they're in the fucking games. So to find that out it was a huge blow. But the thing that I kept I kept focusing on is okay, this is the top brass that is no longer making the games. So the people that knew about it were the guys counting the money and occasionally doing a voice, you know, for the for the game. <laughs> yeah. All the people who were doing the assaulting and the horribleness that was happening, again, they were higher up in the company. All of the people who make the game that I love, all of the animators, the mm-hmm. programmers, the, the artists, the voice actors, the sound designers, they had nothing to do with this shit. And like mm-hmm. a lot of them were, were were protesting outside of their own company, like, hey, this isn't cool. We didn't know this was happening. You need to get rid of these people. So why do those people now have to be out of a job? Why do I have to stop liking the property that they worked hard on when they had absolutely nothing to do with these gross people at the top? And I think that happens all too often where you have, again, let's use Kevin Spacey as an example. You know, you have a movie like Baby Driver that's like everybody else that was in it is fucking awesome people and doing great work. And Kevin Spacey even did great work in it, but you find out he's a gross person. It's like, so that movie is now blacklisted, but it's like those all those other people worked on it. Like, they get screwed over, too. They get mm-hmm. sucked into the void that is this individual. So with with the whole World of Warcraft thing, I remember when I was continually playing it, like, I had a few people that I'm friends with online be like, wait, you're still playing that? So do you agree with what happened? And it's like, that is a crazy jump to make. Like, if you yeah, know me as yeah. a person... You know the type of guy I am, and you can be like, oh, because you like X, then you must be Y. And it's like, can we stop doing that type of shit? And that's why I'm saying we need to have this other conversation, because there's a lot of meat on the bone for that.
0: I definitely think so. Yeah. And like I said, I think we should just stop right there, put a pin in that. I think we can yeah. definitely talk about cancel culture in general from various angles and and, and, and not just repeat everything that's been said before. I think we probably can shed some, you know, we can share some opinions that I think are probably worth having that conversation and having that Absolutely. episode. But, um, but yeah, just in, in terms of like toxic fandom, I, I feel like we're not off the rails here because we've had so many examples. And the problem is that there are so many examples and it's, that's what's Mm. so sad about this idea, whether it's comics or, you know, horror movies or hell romance novels or whatever, Mm. you know, I wanted to bring up, I haven't even had a chance to bring up the example that I first thought of when we were talking about this topic and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is the thing that's pissing me off right now, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, and I think, uh, I think the real problem uh, before I even get to that example is I think in general it can be boiled down to this blatant negative judgment of your taste or your your choices in the media that you consume, right? And it's this this outward – like I use the word blatant, but also I want to say this blanket judgment of, well, if you like that, then you must be an idiot. Or if you like that, then you must yep. be a terrible person. Or if you're into that, then you don't know what – real horror movies are or shit you like that comic you must be an idiot like or oh i can't believe you would buy a book by that author like have you read real books before Mm -hmm. you know and 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 this is the kind of shit that really pisses me off and i think that everybody can share a hundred examples of exactly that kind of thing And, and it kind of goes back to this idea of gatekeeping but it's like once you're in the gate now they're trying to kick you out through shame you know yeah. and I I mentioned I think it was on the gatekeeping keeping episode that I mentioned being in a comic book shop a few months ago or actually shit last year now and I really really loved the shop and I liked the people who worked there and I literally went in there and one of the comics that I was going to get, that I purposely went there to get, before I could reach for it and grab it, the owner and some other customer who was in there were standing at the counter just ridiculing this comic. Like, oh, I can't believe anybody would read this. Like, who is this for? You know. And my <laughs> first reaction was, first of all, shit, I was going to buy that. And now I feel shamed. And I've been a fucking comic book fan for decades, longer than this guy who owns the store has been alive. I have been a comic <laughs> book fan, right? Yep. And I know more about this shit than he could ever know. And I don't care if you own your own comic shop and like, you're so fucking cool. Like, fucking challenge me, bro. I will eat you. Like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? And I am going to read that Rob Liefeld comic, whether you fucking like it or not. But in that moment, I was shamed. You know what I mean? And yeah. I felt small. And it wasn't until after I left the store that I was like, you know what? Fuck him. I'm going to go to the other comic book store. I'm going to go to his competitor and buy that Rob Liefeld comic that he was making fun of. You know what I mean? And -hmm. it's like it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I like it. And that's all that matters. And the fact is, yeah, it was kind of boring. But so what? Like I like it and I want to spend my time and my money on it because this is what I do for fun. And fuck you if you don't also enjoy the same things that i want to do for fun like no one asked you like i don't care Mm -hmm. you know anyway and i think that that's probably like this the thing that we could say about toxic fandom in general is just this overarching theme of people who feel that they are a better fan than you because of your
1: choices see and, and that's dude like there's so much to that like I have, and, I, and I, I know you've actually heard me talk about this because you've been on podcasts with me now for long enough to hear me talk about this, but I have been accused so many times of liking anything because I will try to find the reason that it is popular or try to find the reason that it was made. So, like, we'll watch a bad horror movie and I will try to find something about it that I can be like, you know, yeah, this was good. I can see how people would like it for this. Is it for me? No. Do I get why it's out there? Yes. Like, I don't think that that is a bad quality to have, is to try to see (laughs) what it was that was good. Give you a perfect example. I ain't going to get into it now, but the Velma show that's out right now, not for me, definitely not made for me. But when asked about it, you know, I gave my my critical opinion on how I felt about the show, but the one thing, because it's that whole compliment thing, I got to at least find something that I liked about it, Yeah. and it, it was the animation. I was like, the animation is absolutely gorgeous, and I hope that that team gets a lot more work, because it's some of the best animation I have seen in years. That's about all the good I can say about
0: it. <laughs> um, and that's because you're a gentleman, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. you know, let's, I try. Let's be, let's be honest. I think you know criticism is ultimately meant to be an objective guide, or hell, fuck, even objective. It can even be a subjective. But the whole idea is to be a guide for someone else. To find something that they might like, and you can say, "Look, right. I didn't like this. Here's why I didn't like it." But if you don't say the thing that you did like, then I think that your criticism is disingenuous, right? If your Agreed. whole, if your whole message is "this sucks, avoid it," well, I mean, you, I mean, really, like, really, like, there's, there's right. nothing there's no there, merit? like, you can't, you can't see the other side of that argument even a little bit, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue.
1: But no, no, it, like that. That's that's something that 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 drives me batshit crazy because it's that whole concept of like, you know, Oh, well, this is bad. So you can't like anything about it. It's like, really? Cause, cause again, I get that criticism a lot with video games where a, a video game will get a low score. You know, it'll kind of like be overall panned for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then I'll play the game and be like, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. The controls are a little crap. You know, is it the best graphics? No, it's an old engine. Like I get, the criticisms but there's still enjoyment in the art uh the one that always sticks in my mind is the evil dead playstation game that came out so many years ago hell to the king mm. everybody panned that game because yes the controls are awful the difficulty level is ridiculous like it it jumps up like constantly it's just like oh yeah that that one fight that you just had where you barely survived Now do it 17 more times. You know, like the difficulty amps up for for no reason. The story is fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. So if you can wrap your brain around the broken ass controls and figure out how to play it, it's worthwhile if you're a fan of the franchise. And I remember people telling me, like, well, you just have shitty taste in video games then. And it's like, no, (laughs) I'm telling (laughs) you what I like about it. Um but no, like, and one last thing, because I know we got to wrap things up, but there's there was two points I really wanted to make about uh, toxic fandom, in particular, these these broad stroke arguments. OK, so like it is fine to criticize stuff, but to do the broad strokes of like, I hate anything to do with comics or I hate everything Disney or I hate all things horror. It's like, do you, though? Like, did you really stop and think that one through? Like, sometimes these broad stroke arguments are, are ridiculous. Like, I know so many people that were like, oh, I fucking hate comic books. And then suddenly they're huge MCU fans. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're huge MCU fans because it's good stuff, (laughs) you know, where it's like, they they hate horror, but Supernatural and The Walking Dead were their favorite television shows ever. And it's like, hmm, you hate horror, do you? (laughs) Like, it's
0: you sure about that it's 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 like like, why does everyone on tiktok suddenly like metal now like music and it's like you guys
1: never liked metal before (laughs) exactly so it's like i hate that concept of i'm just gonna do these broad strokes like give me the reasons let's talk about it but like the other thing is like i've heard this countless times on you know various well various youtube you know conversations all over social media and in person a few times that like women aren't real gamers. For example Ugh, which yeah. always irritates me because i'm like all right i played wow religiously for about five years like i played it that was like the game i played a bunch of people in my guild were women and they were fucking amazing at the game like really good devout gamers it's like so this idea of like oh women don't play video games like Okay, get out of your basement, first of all, and play a, play a multiplayer game, just so you know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but then, like, like I look at even now, like, I play Seven Days to Die almost every week. And my partner, my gaming partner, is a woman who had never played the game before last year. She never picked it up ever. She learned how to play it and fucking crushes it. Like, she is amazing at it. Like, this idea that women aren't gamers is fucking dumb and that's some toxic ass bullshit and the same way like and i'm sure you've heard this oh women aren't comic fans bullshit Mm -hmm. i have (laughs) been to so many conventions and met so many comic artists that are writing and drawing their own fucking books and no they're not manga no they're not romance novels not that there's anything wrong with that but they're doing hardcore like sci-fi horror superhero books and Mm -hmm. so this idea that like i always question like where does that come from in the fandom like, how are you part of the fandom and not seeing the stuff that's right in front of you? You know, like, how are you not seeing the women that are fans? How are you not seeing that it's it's not just people who look like you that are fans?
0: Yeah. Like, oh, exactly. And and sorry, you, you definitely, like, just dovetailed right into, like, my final argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> well, and, and the woman thing is a really perfect example because – in america and i'm excluding manga because there are a ton a ton of female mangaka who are making so many amazing comics like overseas not and not just in japan we use the term manga because it's japanese but there's there's female creators in france and korea and fucking iceland and like all over the world spain and south america is just an an amazing like untapped market for american fans but Mm -hmm. in america the number one best-selling comic book creator of the last, like, decade, multi-Eisner Award-winning creator, and the Eisner Awards being, like, the quote-unquote Oscars of comics, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the only comic book creators to ever have a New York Times number one best-selling book more than once is Raina Telgemeier, the creator of Smile, Sisters, Guts, Drama, Ghosts. It's a woman who Mm -hmm. is the most successful comic book creator in America right now. Yeah. And and she is not alone. There are many, many, many more like her. But the reason that you your average, let's say, average in quotes comic book fan isn't thinking of people like Raina Telgemeier is because she's not doing superhero books. And her books don't come out as like stapled 22 page floppy pamphlets, right? She mm-hmm. does full on graphic novels that are you know for all ages and not just for a very specific like niche group of people mostly men you know who read comics on a regular basis that are like superhero and like horror and sci-fi based and and that's the thing and this was my this was the thing that pissed me off that started this whole conversation when you brought up toxic fandom as like one of several uh topic choices for our next rental rant. and i'm like oh that's the one i want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Because, and and it ties right in because, you know, I realized recently, and I don't know if I mentioned this on another show, if I did, hey, listeners, sorry about that, but I was on TikTok recently, and I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok, but I was like, you know what, I'm sick of all of these, like, silly memes and, like, you know, just jokey little videos, and I wanted to, like, get a little bit more out of it, like, some more, you know, guts out of it, so... I was like, I realized I don't really follow any comic book people on TikTok other than a creator or two here and there. So I started actively looking for comic book critics and reviewers and people who are doing, like, top ten lists. And I'm a big fan of, like, hey, here's, like, you know, the, the ten most underrated books you haven't read yet that you should check out. I'm like, cool, because I want to discover new things. Mm-hmm. and. That was the whole purpose is I wanna discover new things and I wanna hear the discourse. What are other people talking about? Are they books I haven't seen? Are they books that I enjoy and I wanna hear what other people are saying, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of that. I know you are too with movies. Like you, you do a whole podcast where you talk about movies cause you wanna be a part of the discourse. Like let's mm-hmm. all talk about it, right? And what I found, and I'm not saying that this is exclusively true, but what I found in my experience is that most of what I ended up finding in quite a bit of time is i found a ton of just creators a lot of women who were comic book artists who were just trying to use the platform as a way to get their their name out there but mostly what i found and the people that had the big following and the big you know all the big follower lists were these guys who it's like this deceptive criticism or this deceptive fandom that where they're like oh super positive you want to get into comics like you you don't you know you don't know where to start you like mcu but you don't know how to get into the comic book shops and what to pick up and what's good like i'll help you and it's like oh this is awesome this is the opposite of gatekeeping you know Mm -hmm. there's multiple people on tiktok with lots of followers who are actively trying to show people the way in here's here's what you should read and in that like subset of these you know, rankers, reviewers, critics, 100% of them were exclusively talking about superhero comics american superhero <laughs> comics mostly from marvel and dc and it was like oh you never read comics before well here's what you should know you know and this superman batman spider-man or like this is like a single issue and this is a trade paperback and these are the omnibus collections that you should pick up you know and this is this is you know how the crossovers work and this is how to like go in your comic shop and like pre-order like the new you know wolverine book or whatever and i'm like comic superheroes are not what comics are comics are not exclusively about superheroes it's Mm -hmm. like you're you're inviting people into this world that you love but instead of saying hey do you want to read superhero comics here's a good way to start which i would be happy with it's no no do you want to read comics like come i'll show you the way that would be like saying oh like You don't watch a lot of movies and you want to watch more movies but don't know where to start? Here, let me show you all the movies you should watch. Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Street, Scream. (laughs) And it's like not everybody wants to just watch horror. Like that might be what you'd like. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like using a better example because superheroes are like the most popular – They are arguably the most popular genre of American comics, but that would be like saying, like, oh, you don't watch a lot of movies here? Let's start with the Fast and Furious, you know, franchise. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, those might be popular, but like, is that all there is? Like, action movies is that is that really it? Like, there's, I feel like there's a lot more movies out in the world besides just those, you know?
1: Exactly. And and see, this this is this is something, and, and and I know you and I have both talked about this, um, because we both have a very strong fandom. Like you are very much into comic books. I'm very much into horror movies. Um, and we've had people be like, Hey, what would you recommend? We have both encountered this. The thing I always ask, because as a, as a horror fan, what I get most is what, what recommend a scary movie to me. So I have to always ask mm-hmm. like, okay, well, what scares you? Like yeah. what, you know, you need, so it's like, if you want to read comic books, okay, what type of stories do you like? Exactly. You know, you need to know more it, it can't just this idea that it that this fandom only means one thing and this kind of circles back around to the toxicity factor fandom is going to be more than just your particular piece of fandom and the idea that everybody must be the fan that you are has some some fucking spoiled child energy to it it's gross we need to do better <laughs> <laughs> like i mean realistically
0: <laughs> yeah i totally agree and i i want to end this uh on because i know we're on a time crunch i want to end this on a positive note we've talked all about this toxic fandom i have so many more examples i didn't even get to talk about of like personal experiences i had and just general you know ugly people that we come across in social media and in real life so on a positive note i'm going to end this by saying look comics are my fandom right and i Mm -hmm. want more people to read comics and comics is a medium not a genre it's not even a type of comic i like superheroes i like manga i like horror comics i love the quote-unquote indie comic scene in america right now you know and there's and i love uh french sci-fi comics like I, i i have my own like little you know, niches and pathways that I like to go down. Um, But I've been doing this for a long time. So for me, I would say like, if you do want to read comics, if you're a listener and you're like, yeah, you know, I like the MCU or I've heard, you know, I've seen some good movie adaptations and I don't know where to start or like the comic book shop is like super like intimidating, then I'll say this, right? A couple of quick recommendations. For me personally, as somebody who's read comics for a long time, if you've also been reading comics for a while and maybe you want to go a little deeper, Go to YouTube, go to the Cartoonist Cape vape channel. These guys are great critics. It's Ed Piscor and Jim Rugg with sometimes Tom Scioli. They are themselves very, very successful comic book creators, very, very talented. And they are, I think, the perfect duo for criticism because they have their opinions they have their hot takes you know they like to bag on certain types of creators and whatever but they always to your point they always come back and say something positive even when they're reviewing a book that they clearly don't like they will find the good things in it an artist they don't like yeah but look at it this line this anatomy this coloring this shading like they find so that you're going to hear their opinions and they're very very opinionated but they're going to find the best things and they go deep 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 in the weeds you know so if that's you is kp on youtube and if you're that's not you and you're brand new i mentioned Raina telgemeier that's a great uh jumping on point for anybody you don't even know the books are ya and uh kind of geared toward female readers which first of all is a totally unserved market but anybody Mm -hmm. can do that i met Raina Telgemeier in 2010 i had been reading her comics online i went to a convention in maryland and i was the as soon as i went in the door i was the first person at her table demanding that i I get to buy smile and it had just come out and this is her like you know multi new york times best-selling multi award-winning book it was a huge 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 hit and I was one of the first people to get to buy it from her personally, and I was so excited about it, and I'm still excited about it. It is a mm-hmm. genius piece of work. It's an autobio work um, about being afraid of the dentist, you know, which I think a lot of people can relate to, right? So right. Check, check that out. And then you know, failing that, if the, any one of those things seems like it's right for you, find a comic book shop i i would look for a bigger shop the larger the shop the more brightly lit the more windows they have (laughs) because you don't want to find like the simpsons comic book guy you don't want to find some deep dark dungeon because toxic fandom lurks within right (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: sad but true
0: (laughs) find you a comic book shop in a strip mall or a plaza lots of windows that's very welcoming walk in and they nine times out of 10 will have a like employees picks right and that's where you want to go or go to the to the counter and if they welcoming you in go to them and let them know hey i just need an example to your point they'll ask you what kind of movies do you like what kind of music do you like what kind of tv Mm -hmm. shows are you into and they will find you something i'm a huge fan of the the employee top picks you know some shops will do things like you know black history month women's you know uh uh, women's history month you know uh, pride month and they'll they'll have like themed displays trust me there are people there who are welcoming and if you walk into a comic book shop and it looks like a dungeon and it smells bad and everybody in there you know has like a neck beard and they look at you weird because you're like a woman or whatever walking in the door <laughs> you t- turn your ass right back out the door go to Target, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and they will, they have stuff at Target, you know, like you don't have to find a dungeon if you don't have one where you live, but yeah, we need more people reading comics. And, you know, if you don't like fucking superheroes, then don't read fucking superheroes because
1: there are so
0: much more. That's all. I. Oh,
1: ab- Absolutely. And, and that, again, that goes into, I mean, I know we got to wrap it up, but that goes into every other type of fandom that is out there. The, these, these concepts that, you know, a, a medium can only have one type of fandom is absurd. The amount of video games that are out there is insane. There are like it is not just all Call of Duty. You know, it is not just all <laughs> World of Warcraft there. I, I I wish I could remember the name of the game, but there there was a game that I played that was inherently creepy. Like it just felt creepy but it was literally a story. It was an interactive story. All you did was walk around this very large house, finding diary entries and letters that were like sent like sent to the house, and some that replies that were unsent emails, et cetera, et cetera. And you slowly piece together the story of it, you're you're playing this young girl who came home from college to find out that her family is falling apart. There's like a divorce. There's this. It's this very emotional, sad story. It takes about three hours to play. And all it was, was it was telling you a story of a family breaking apart. And it was it was a very moving story. But people don't think of those kind of things when they think of a video game. You know, they're they're not mm-hmm. thinking like interactive storytelling. But that's exactly what it is. So the point is, there's something out there for everybody. And any fan that tells any fan worth his salt is going to tell you that, <laughs> you know, they're they're not going to be like, you must like what I like. Otherwise, you bad. Like, that's just fucking dumb, you yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> just really, I, is.
0: I think the rule of thumb here is if somebody ever tries to shame you or keep you away or kick you out or tell you that you're foolish for liking this or that because of, you know, you enjoy it. And we've done it on the show before in multiple episodes, like what you like. And if somebody doesn't want you to like what you like because they know more than you, then you need to instantly stop listening to that person because they have revealed themselves as a fool. And we do not suffer fools in our pop culture fandom. We like what we like. And if people are going to get excited, those are the people you want to listen to, you know, even if they don't know as much or don't know as much as you it doesn't matter because you're gonna f- have fun with the people who are having fun and the big head fucking know-it-alls can eat a dick
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah i think i think we should probably wrap it up there and uh we definitely will come back to this topic especially if you guys want to hear more because i'm sure the two of us could talk for hours about this topic um mm-hmm Definitely. But unfortunately, <laughs> my, my, my work is approaching closer and closer. So I got to I got to wrap this up so I can go get ready for work.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sorry to keep you so long. There's just so much to say about this topic. And like I said, oh, we'll, hey, we'll have multiple follow up episodes.
1: I was having <laughs> I'm fun. Sure. I just realized the time and I was like, oh, damn, I want to keep talking. <laughs>
0: yeah, this is and this is already the, the second really in the, kind of the series starting with our gatekeeping episodes. So, yeah, again, if people are out there and you like what you're hearing and you enjoy listening to us you share our opinions and, you know, and be supportive and talk about pop culture in general you know on top of our normal improv storytelling episodes if you guys are fans of their rental rants and our super gushers off week specials please let us know so that we can make more of them because we definitely enjoy them sometimes I wonder if they're worth it you know or if we're just being self-indulgent you know and we have our <laughs> right. we're creating our own slog by making these uh, episodes that people just have to get through that aren't really what they came here for so yeah if you're out there listening let us know you know visit us on the socials at raised by rentals and raisebyrentals.com. leave us a comment leave us a rating let us know what you think we should rant and rave about next time you know mike you want to plug in before we go
1: uh check out uh red pantheon as we always say and you'll find stuff like the boogeyman's closet and both uh count creepy head saturday morning monster match the other two podcasts that i'm a part of
0: awesome yeah thanks and so yeah like i said uh you know let us know what you think check us out on the socials we've said it all before and with that i'll just say i'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by rentals as a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com.